Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games, the Bedrock blog, and I'm here with Joel Clark, and we are going to be talking about 36 Chamber of Shaolin for our episode of Wuxia Workshop. This is a 1978 film directed by Lao Kar Lung, and it stars Gordon Liu, and also has a terrific villain appearance by Lo Lier. Um, you know, everybody knows about this movie. It's It's like you know, it's a classic. I don't think we need to rehash all the details. There are other podcasts who have gone over the plot in, 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 in pretty good, uh, uh, you know, specifics. So I think I think what we want to do is mainly talk about it in terms of gaming. But, Joel, just because I don't know if you've seen this before or not, what was, what, what was your reaction to this film? I actually had a couple of reactions. I, I was surprised at how much nuance and reaction I had out of the thing because it's really a very simple movie. You know, a guy a guy has a, a tragedy happen. He goes to train, and then he gets really good, and he goes and gets revenge for or not revenge, but like vengeance and justice for the tragedy that happened. Super simple, like a really approachable narrative um, from from a structural viewpoint and just from a personal audience viewpoint. This is a great entry movie to the genre like this this gives you everything you need in a real clean very followable package it's a really direct simple narrative there's not a lot of branching paths not a whole bunch of characters to worry about and it gives you a really good emotional payoff so like it's there's there's not a lot of um it does it does not subvert your expectations it's a good way to build your expectations though and as a family man i didn't realize this but you can watch this with your kids if they're of an appropriate age and you're able to watch it with them there's a little bit of violence in it but like frankly it's all stylized and like the central moral of the movie of practicing hard and being polite and doing the right thing and being rewarded for it is something that's kind of a decent thing to teach your kids so my kids were watching it with me and they were really interested in the training scenes so another interesting uh, part of my reaction to it is that like, this is something I can actually share with the people that I live with, you know, my, my kids and my wife. So that was fun. And, and yeah, and again, this is a, you know, Lao Kar Lung is, 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 I think, a good choice for family film. Like, we did My, my Young Auntie, which, you know, mm. I think would also probably be appropriate for, for kids. Oh, um, yeah, I think if it had a musical sequence, my wife would love that. She's a big musical fan. And, uh, and, and his movies just tend to have a good general appeal. And I think another thing about this film is, like you said, it's a very simple plot, but most of it is really centered around that Shaolin period where he's training at Shaolin. And so it's kind of it's, it's like you have this beginning part that sort of gets into the rebellion and how he gets drawn into it and becomes a messenger. And then, you know, the tragedy unfolds and you have the end part where he actually gets his revenge. But the bulk of the film, it's like um, it's sort of similar to his to Gordon Liu's role in um, uh, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. But it's it's yeah, more, but it's much more. It's like a real deep dive into that sort of Shaolin experience and the training. And I think, I think uh, the 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 way I appreciate this movie is just it just really kind of gets at the heart of what martial arts are all about and and what martial arts training means. And I think that's why people why it resonates with so many people. It's 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 certainly not my favorite Lao Kar Lung movie. Like it's it's it's, it's a, a lot of people really like this film, and and there's it's it's and as Joel pointed out, there's all kinds of reasons to really like it. But I have to admit, just to be fully honest here, when I sit down to watch this film, I'm always just a little bit reluctant because I know I'm in for kind of a long experience, and I don't I don't pop it into the DVD player as easily as say Eight Diagram Pole Fighter or My Young Auntie. Um, but yeah, it's still I, a really good movie. It's not that it's bad. It's just that. It's uh, it's 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 not one of these ones that I want to watch all the time for some reason. Yeah, it's, that's a 
that's a really good way of summarizing it too, because like this would not be like in in the hot seat for next DVD I watch, <clears throat> because like and I think it's just because it is about training. You know, it is about like you as an audience member persevere along with the character, and that's an immersive experience. But it's not quite as watchable as just like skipping ahead to the part where he's yeah. doing stuff and there's action and fighting and such yeah. like. No, I, I would I would agree with that. But 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 when I'm actually sitting down and watching it, you know, I find myself you know I find myself really appreciating those sequences, and I think that it's a real um, rocky vibe, didn't it? What was that? It had a real Rocky vibe, didn't it? I think it did. I, but but here's the funny thing. Rocky, I watch over and over and over and over and over again. You know, and it, it, so, so, I, I think, I mean, it has a Rocky vibe, but I, I do have to say it's totally different from Rocky. Rocky, yeah, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky is a different like a kind of, of movie. Rocky a cuts in the training sequence. This didn't have that. Like, each training sequence was its own whole scene. So, yeah. like, every, every element really got, like, you really well, had to sit there with them. They were clever in how they edited it because you do see, there are jumps in time in the training sure. scenes, but it does feel, it feels like a scene. It doesn't feel like in a Rocky movie where it's like a, you know, like a, a rapid sequence of, uh, you know, you know, they kind of blaze through eight months. Though, though honestly, they did do that here. This was like, what, seven years of training? And it was mm. all, you know, it was all handled in, in you know, that, that chunk of the movie. So... They did do a lot of time elapsing. It's just that it, I feel like, in a way, it was almost more clever than Rocky because it wove it together in a way that felt a bit more natural. Whereas the the Rocky montages, they feel like music videos or like a you know they feel like a deliberate moment in the film. You, you I didn't feel deliberately <clears throat> put into a montage during um during this, but it was kind of a montage. Do you know what I mean? It was sort it of, was. A, uh, it was a longer period of time. So it was kind of like a slowed down montage almost yeah. like the whole middle of the movie was one big montage, but you're right. They didn't have that kind of a theater that the Rocky one had. Yeah. And so you really feel the passage of time and the impact on the characters. Yeah. And the, his relationship with his teachers and, and the way he I, impresses some and such. I really like that aspect of the movie, by the way. I love how you can tell what, even if it's just like a brief scene with the teacher sort of nodding or looking at you, get a, whole, a complete sense of what his relationship with that master is. Yeah, and, that was awesome. And I, and I think that's, that's a really important part of, of, of any kind of tutelage, not just martial arts, but if you're learning music or anything, that teacher-student relationship is is essential and i like that i like that i feel when i'm watching what what i what i feel about this movie is it feels like uh it, it really is coming from lao kar lung's martial arts experience do you know what i mean and it's and it's 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 almost uh, um almost sort of like a martial arts movie for our martial arts practitioners um, so, so, you know, and, and, and again, that tends to be the level that I find myself enjoying the film on is it sort of gets at the heart of, you know, the perseverance aspect. And just like, if we just want to talk about some of these training sequences, what they fundamentally boil down to is he's put into a really challenging situation in each one and just basically told, just do this, just, just, just do it until you get it right. Like, just keep doing it. And it might take you, it might take you six months. It might take you five years. It might take you the rest of your life. Just keep doing it until you've perfected this, and then you can move on to the next chamber, basically. And it's a really interesting setup. And it, and again, I mean, you know, if you take martial arts, they're not going, they're generally not going to have you, you know, move from, you know, one chamber to the next chamber, like 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 it does in this movie. But it, but it, it represents that sort of like, okay, now I'm going to teach you this kick, and you ha and and you need to like, you know, 
practice this kick a hundred times a day. Like just, you know, you know, a thousand times a day if you need to. Just keep practicing it <clears throat> however many times you need to until you can do it properly. And yeah, it, that's that is a very that's very specifically Chinese martial art thing too, like because like it, thinking about my knowledge of martial arts, like Hungar Kwan is one of the ones that really struck me when I first started learning like culturally different styles. There were where like you're supposed to get into like this deep horse stance for three hours and practice punching every single day. Uh, tai Chi Chuan is like that too. Every single morning, there's a famous master, like a modern master in China. And every single morning, you're expected to go and attend his morning Tai Chi Chuan session without speaking to anyone, just copy their emotions. And after seven years of that, you are allowed to proceed to the next stage of his training where you're actually able to attempt to like, affect the guy. Uh, there's a, an urban legend that it's really difficult to like bump him or throw him over because he's got some kind of internal mastery of Chi. Probably the reason he's hard to affect or bump over is because he's been doing deep horse stances for an hour or two hours every single morning for the last 50 years, but whatever. So that's that's a very culturally Chinese aspect of martial training is like, okay, we're going to do this until you get it correct. I don't care how many years that takes. But I think it's also fun. I think it's I think it's a fundamental trait of most martial arts. Not not. I mean, obviously, there's there's certain key aspects here that aren't, but like, but just that basic idea of. You know, you you need to you 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 sit there and you master the technique. It's like a craft. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's it's all built around the the notion that you know the human body is capable of adapting, and and that you know if, if you if you if you if you expose yourself to this challenge long enough, and and you have sufficient will, which I think they may have made a point of calling that out. I think he said it's a matter of will. Um, you know, you can you you can eventually just kind of figure it out and do it. Do you know what I mean? Like it takes, it takes it, 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 it's a, like I, I had that experience in every martial art I did it, where, you know, the, not all of them will have the thing where, you know, you have to do this one thing forever until you get it right and then move to the next stage. But, mm. but they all have that. Okay. Today you're going to do horse stance for 45 minutes and you're just going to learn how to do horse stance for 45 minutes. When I did Taekwondo, uh, you know, you have to kick really high. It's 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 really difficult to do like a spinning hook kick. You know, if you've never if you've never stretched in your life and you've ne- you know what I mean you got to get you got to get that thing where your foot is like it's like your 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 bottom foot and your top foot are like a pole going up into the air. Do you know what I mean? And so they would put you against the wall and they would they would you'd spend the whole class doing this. You would just get your, uh, uh, they would slowly uh, walk over to each student and spread their legs further and further and further until they were doing, until they were capable of doing a full split. And, and there would be entire classes of that. And so I think, I think it's that, I guess you would call it like extreme dedication to, to one, to just one skill. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that seemed to be what was going on in a lot of these, uh, in a lot of these chambers to me. Yeah. Oh, very much. <clears throat> Actually, before the show started, uh, speaking of chambers, there's one that I really enjoyed, which was the head smashing chamber. So you wanted to say something about that scene? I'm all oh, I just. Oh no. So I was just so. So number one, we know a lot more about head injuries now, and and I was just thinking about that's the one. Like, like it's true. Like if you you know if you like for example, I remember when I when I when I first shifted from uh, Taekwondo to Muay Thai, one of the trainers used to always say to us. Like every, then this was back when like Eastern 
like Far Eastern, you know, East Asian martial arts had considerably more appeal to people just because they were in media more and, and, and Western styles were not as, as, uh, as thought highly of. Um, and I know a lot of that has changed since, but this is the time that this all occurred. Um, he was saying, you know, a lot of people think like karate, and the guy came from a karate background. He was saying everybody, you know, would pick the karate guy over the boxer because karate has so many different little moves. And a boxer has maybe a smaller toolbox, but within that toolbox, there's so much nuance and, um, and, and finesse and effort. Uh, but, and then this was just, this guy said, I'm not saying that this is 100% true in all cases, but he, he was sort of going against sort of what was prevailing logic at the time. He was saying, I would pick the boxer every time in a fight because the boxer's been practiced at getting his head hit over and over and over and over again. And he kind of said this knowing we were about to take Muay Thai where we're going to be getting our heads hit, you know, pretty, pretty frequently. Um, and so I think that that exercise was interesting to me because it was kind of a good, like, that's what happens in a fight. You get hit in the head. And so it makes sense that they would get, they would get conditioned to be hit in the head. On the other hand, they were doing it to such a degree that it was like in the movie, it was clear they all had concussions by the end of that, <laughs> by the end of that line. Um, yeah. and, pres- and then they would just go back and do it again and again and again and again. And, 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 and so I'm just, you know, I'm, I was just sort of, you know, uh, wondering how many of them die from, from the head, from the head injuries. From the head uh, trauma, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, yeah, it was a movie, scenes, so you can, you got to take it as a movie, not as, um, you know. Yeah, there's an element of fantasy to it, uh, which I think is important, because in the movie actually conveys that element of fantasy very well, and, and a very key, key scene they don't revisit, <clears throat> which is he jumps to the highest chamber when he learns that there's a certain number of them, goes to the last one, and they're all sitting there, I, I guess they're reading the, the I Ching or something, and they're just, like, quoting from Buddhist scripture and things like that, and that's all that's happening in this, this, this chamber. This oh, the, giant, 30, oh. the 35th chamber scene? Yeah. And he walks in and he's like, so it's, you know, this isn't training, this isn't a big deal. And they use some kind of highly cultivated chi magic to throw him out. Yep, yep. And he, nev- and he never masters that chamber, right? Even by nope, the end of the movie. They never have him go back there. Yeah, that's another cool thing about this film. He doesn't become like the number one head ab. I mean, it's based on a, on a legendary, you know, figure too so they're the you know it's 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 not like they can just do everything they want but um but i like that you know he doesn't he isn't necessarily going to the top of shaolin he's he's becoming the guy who spreads shaolin to the to the lay people and starts you know uh you know transitioning to having lay disciples and things like that which you know is a staple of a, of a lot of you know a lot of the uh uh you know, great martial arts movies. So it's a, it, it's kind of cool in that you, you also, you sort of like are anticipating, uh, the, the end path of the character too, throughout the training, once you realize where it's going. Um, but I, but I really do like that he goes in there and he never, that's a chamber he never masters. And it seems like all you really are supposed to need to do to master it is to understand the scriptures enough, right? Cause he's asking him how many times he's read the sutras, and, uh, and so it seems like that's the chamber where you need to be like enlightened or, you know, have some higher yeah, level of awareness. That's, that's some kind of mystical cultivation of chi, which I mean, that's that's part of the, the mythology of martial arts, which is one of the things that I find really fascinating and appealing, which is. Uh, but I like that the movie does that early on. It's the first thing he does. And it doesn't go back to it mm. because it gives you it very clearly communicates to you. Hey, look. 
there's a fantasy element to this that we're not going to explore fully. And that's okay. You can you can just realize that there's some element of fantasy to this. It's really really clean, clear, well constructed communication that is perfectly communicated even to a Western audience. Another one of the reasons I would recommend this for someone as their first Wuxia movie, just because it it conforms a lot to your expectations as a Western viewer. Like you're not challenged with a B plot and a C plot. You don't see the four act structure that we've seen in a lot of movies. A lot of the Zhang Hu stuff, which has a lot of uh, different factions and clans, doesn't come into it and complicate it. It's all very straightforward. Yeah. So it's it's a real good entry level movie. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And it's also, I think it's a movie that, um, if you haven't seen it, and you've been watching these kind of movies for a while, you should watch. It's definitely something that, like, you know, uh, it, <coughs> you know, if only to understand, you know, Gordon Liu's place and Lao Kar Lung's place in, uh, in, in, in the genre. But, um, and also it'll probably, if, you, if you're like a Wu-Tang Clan fan or something, you probably want yeah, to. Yeah, I, I actually got into Wu-Tang Clan just around the time that I started watching this movie. Because I'm like, oh, hey, that's a Wu-Tang Clan album. I should listen to that. <laughs> and like, you can really, uh, not to like make this a tangent about the Wu-Tang Clan, but like that was like their intro album. Mm-hmm. And you can see why they got popular. They're really good. Yeah, they. Uh, I remember when I, I think it was Ong Bak. When I got Ong Bak on DVD when that first oh, came yeah, out. Oh, yeah, Ong Bak, the yeah. Protector. Yeah, yeah, not the Protector, the uh, the, 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 the the original Ong Bak. The, the first one before the Protector. So, 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 Where's my elephants? So the, the Protector is Tum Young Goong. And Tum Young Goong is um, the, the the version we got, the Protector, they changed so much. Uh, I don't know if they've yeah. rectified that. But uh, if, if just for people listening, if you if you if you are going to get into Tony Jaa, get Tom Young Goong. Don't get um, don't don't get the American release version of Tom Young Goong, the Protector, unless it's you know like the full version because the the villain in that movie they completely change a really crucial aspect of it uh, simply because I think they thought Americans wouldn't understand it. But it's really not that difficult to wrap Dude, it up. Dude, like, Americans didn't understand that one anyway. Like, let me give you a, a brief synopsis of Anbach the Protector. You're a, a, an Australian organized crime dude. You're sitting there playing poker with your friends. This this Thai guy smashes through the concrete like the Kool-Aid man, shouting, Where's my elephants? You don't know what's going on. You pull a chain. Goons come out of everywhere. Rollerblades and four-wheelers and rocket bikes we should, to fight this we guy. Should do no this one movie. can stop them. We should That's do this. every scene in this movie. We should we should do some, some Thai stuff, I think. I think it wouldn't be... I mean, I know it's not wuxia, but, um, but I would like... It to is entertaining, but it's very peculiar. Well, I, no, I had a very strange impression of Anbach the Protector, so... Um, <coughs> it's... So... Uh, um, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get, we'll get into that, to that later. Um, but not, not to put us on another path, but no, but all yeah. I was going to say is the Wu-Tang clan were on the DVD when it came out. I remember them having an introduction of some kind and they were, and I think the purpose that they served, I'm pretty sure it was the Wu-Tang clan. It was ages ago. It was like 2005 or whatever it was. Mm. Um, and it might, actually, it might've been Tom Young Goon. It might not have been Ong Bak, but whatever one it was, I think they're, function was to help explain what Muay Thai was and give it some amount of credibility to the audience because it was uh, you know it was, it was it was it was becoming known because of the UFC but it still wasn't quite in the mainstream I think um, so so yeah so uh, you know again it's it's worth seeing just for you know for reasons like that just so you can connect it to other cultural 
you know, pop culture details and, and that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, I think it's, a, it's, it's, to me, the two themes that really, uh, sort of jump out at me, are the one that we've already discussed, which is sort of like perseverance, martial arts, sort of training and how, you know, how, how, how it's about, uh, like in the log scene where they have to jump across the water and it seems impossible. Uh, but if you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, you eventually, you eventually understand, you know, how to make your body move so that it crosses that log. Um, and that, and, and again, that also kind of gets into sort of lightness Kung Fu stuff too, which is, mm. you know, another wuxia element. But, um, the other theme that I think the film addresses is, uh, is sort of the tension between the the Buddhist sort of nonviolence and the violence of martial arts and how those two things kind of meet in Shaolin. And that always seems to be that always seems to be like one of the central you know conflicts for, you know, you know in in a in a Shaolin movie. Um, so I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Oh man. Yeah, it, it's always an interesting theme to explore too because Buddhism is very, very much like pacifism, uh, vegetarian, don't harm any life, all life is sacred and can be replaced. Uh, and any time that you uh, <clears throat> you contrast that level of commitment to nonviolence with the best ability to commit violence, I mean, like, it's easy to milk that cow, you know? Like, that's, that's when you, you always get drama out of it. You always get, like, really rich character moments. Because what happens is the character found between those extremes, and there's almost always a huge necessity for that violence, but found between those extremes, they are the ones that have to define themselves and what those extremes mean in terms of their own life and their own destiny. Always great stuff. Well, and it's, I mean, I think it's a really, I mean, it's a really essential human question. It's not just about martial arts. Like the, um... There's a line at the start of the movie where I think the, his friend who dies says, um, "I should have learned kung fu instead of ethics because they were students," and uh, and and it's interesting to me because Gordon Liu's character demonstrates a really profound understanding of ethics when he goes on when he actually goes to get his revenge. He's not just sort of unhinged. Do you know what I mean? He's not just you know it's he's not like the guy in say Eight Diagram Pole Fighter who maybe was. You know, when he goes to that Shaolin temple, he's tearing it up. He's, you know, he's just this maniac who, uh, yeah. you know, is just, just, just on a, on a, on a, his only uh, goal is revenge. The, the character in this movie has, you know, he, he develops an understanding of Buddhism enough that he's able to put a Buddhist context into some of his violence. Do you know what I mean? And he's able to, to sort of have a, an ethical structure that he's operating inside of with the violence. Um, which, which again, I think you know, if you're you know, it could, anything that sort of enhances your power in any way, no, you know, you know, it, you know, sort of brings ethical questions into it. So I think, uh, I think that you know, it's it's one of the reasons why you would, you know, you sort of have this as a, uh, you know, in, in any martial art, but you just sort of it's just sort of particularly pronounced when it's when it's you know Buddhist Shaolin. You know, learning learning how to hurt people, but also trying to be monks. That uh... yeah, <clears throat> and that's another thing that's interesting about like when I was talking about earlier, where the characters have to define themselves in terms of those extremes. One of his teachers, when he has a to develop the three, uh, the what do you call that? The, the little chain stick thing. Oh yeah, that? the three section staff. 
yeah, three section staff. I cannot call that to my mind at all. He has to develop a new weapon entirely to take this guy on. But that guy clearly loves practicing martial arts and fighting and competing. Like, you can tell just the joy he has in it, how much satisfaction he takes from having a worthy student. Well, what I liked about what I liked about um, that character, and I think that was um, I think that was played by Lee Hoi Song. Um, really well portrayed, by the he, way. I like the character a lot. At first, he seemed like an antagonist. You know what I mean? You thought like, oh, he's going to be the one who's thwarting him and trying to get him booted out of Shaolin the whole time or whatever. But yeah, actually, you get that fight yeah. But 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 actually, he's the one who I think maybe has the most admiration for him. And doesn't want him to have this easy path to the end because then he won't be as 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 well shaped by the training. Do you know what I mean? Because remember, they're ready to give they give him all these promotions, and at the final promotion, he's like, "Look, we've given him all these promotions. I think you know we need to make things a little bit difficult here and and test him out a bit. And so let him fight me, and if he can beat me, give him the promotion. But I don't. And 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 at first, it seems like, oh man, he's like he just doesn't want him to advance. But no, he just wants him to be worthy for the post that he's going to get. Yeah, and like, it's wonderfully nuanced. It really is. And this is a movie that, even though it's straightforward, there there is a richness to every single element in it that really does make it a satisfying watch, and it, it makes it immersive because you don't really realize that you're enjoying that nuance on as many levels as on as many levels as you are yeah. that you are and you're watching it you're like oh what's this guy up to what's he doing now what's going on in this chamber so and and everything has such a richness to it so it is more straightforward in some ways but in other ways it doesn't really sacrifice its complexity for that it just makes it more palatable uh, more immediate and more you almost consume those d- dimensions of complexity subconsciously what? What I like about it too is it's all set kind of in one location, and that's that's either a good or a bad thing in a movie. I think in a Lao Karlung film, it's either a good or a bad thing. Um, he but he's very good at just hunkering down in one spot. So we're gonna have this movie take place at Shaolin, and that's where all the action is, and it gives everything a real sense of 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 location of an in, you know provided provided the work in the movie is done to create an actual system like you know like an actual place that has people in it and it has a has a has a you know has a like you feel like you you push that wall and behind the wall there'll be people there um as long as it does all that it it, it works when it when when that isn't done then it can kind of start to feel lonely and fake but i think he's very good at giving a location a sense of the people who inhabit it and 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 sort of exploiting it for the purposes of telling a story um, yeah, there's another, and speaking of that, there's a really brilliant way that it's, it's, it sits in the movie, because we don't start there, we go there, yeah. and it's its own extraordinarily well-developed living world, then we leave there for the end of the movie. So it really does feel like you're going to a very particular place and yeah. going through this journey with the character, greatly enhancing the sense of that, that sense of place and that sense of like culture and that the living dynamic environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not just a oh I'm passing through. It's not oh we're just going there for the final battle. It's it's we're going you're going there, and the heart of the movie is the experience at Shaolin, and everything else kind of takes place at the bookends of it. So it's uh you know it, I I think you're right about that. Um, but we probably should get into the gaming question yeah. too, which it I mean again this about the movie it really is a good movie. It it is it it is a good movie, and I know I said at the beginning that I I'm not super excited to watch it all the time, but that's 
that's not necessarily I, I feel the same way about like a touch's end a touch's end is a great film but i wouldn't pop it in my dvd player all the time do you know what i mean because it's you know well, there are a lot of great movies that i wouldn't pop in all the time i mean like because i'll watch john carpenter's the thing for the one billionth time before i watch godfather again even though godfather is clearly the better movie you know just because it's so heavy and there's so much stuff to digest with godfather Godfather's. Good. I always like. I always preferred Goodfellas. Goodfellas, I can watch oh, man. anytime. Yeah, Goodfellas is very watchable. Yeah, I, I think Good. I mean, honestly, I think Goodfellas is a better movie than Godfather. I like Ooh, Godfather. Huh? No, me. it's not blasphemy at all. Godfather. The, I don't want to get too deep into like another topic. But we'll fight like, about this later. <laughs> but the but the Godfather is kind of boring. Number one. Um, and I know that part of that is it's it's an earlier movie, so like you know, obviously the pacing is different. But I just don't think it's as like like Goodfellas set set well, the moment I saw Goodfellas the very first time it set off something in my brain that was like 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 gunpowder going off. Do you know what I mean I just like like you see like that, that that scene where he's like my whole life I wanted to be a gangster. You know what I mean? Like like right after when they like I think the movie opens with them in the car and then they have the, and then he sort of leads into his background from there. So it kind of opens in the middle, and then it starts at his childhood. That and it's oh, it ahead. is autobiographical, whereas Godfather is not. As I recall, Godfather was purely a work of fiction, whereas Goodfellas. Yeah, is and, and actually, I would say this: Godfather, I think, is the book is really good. I really like the book, and I really do like the movie. It's just, it's just that I feel like the movie is, uh, it it just doesn't feel as real as Goodfellas does. You know, well, it's, Goodfellas, it's Goodfellas it's gets into the, like Godfather feels like. It's got like a window into that world, but they're kind of making a lot of stuff up. And Goodfellas feels like they know exactly like like this is like the inner workings of the mafia. Not only is it is it just sort of like a a tour of what's going on. The story is amazing. The story yeah. is is really brilliantly told. And um and and again, I don't want to get in the, in a sidetrack, but I I, just I, I will say again, Goodfellas is much more watchful than The Godfather. And so, uh, but but to is. your point, to your point, yes. I, I think you're right. Like, it can still be a good movie or a great movie. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, you're gonna want to watch it every day. Some some movies, they have to, to, especially if they're trying to make a point, they'll be somewhat of a of a, yeah. of a slog. Uh, you know, and you kind of have to be in the right mindset to enjoy that slog. You don't always want a banquet. Sometimes you just want to go and get something delicious right now yeah. go get a, a yummy arby's burger or something like that you don't necessarily want to sit down to a full you know three course meal banquet thing you know it's better you're just not in the mood it's fine <clears throat> but um but but in terms of the gaming um you know i, I think I, I mean the only the only way i can think to approach this movie is you know how how you might connect it to the idea of advancement and learning martial arts techniques and you know you know, I mean, obviously, one of the cool things about Thirty Six Chamber is you could easily connect that concept to levels. Do you know what I mean? That's a that's a really easy thing to do in a game. You know, you could you could you could you could make a game that has thirty six levels, and each level is you know, uh, and, and and for and for the Shaolin class, each level would be the chamber. I, I, I'm I'm sure somebody's probably done that somewhere. Um, I don't know if they have because that that's a cool idea. We may we may have to be the ones I'm to sure, do that. I'm sure somebody's done it. It's it must have been done. But that that would be. I mean, that's the obvious way to do it. Um, True. I, I will say that a lot of that like kind of mirrors the way I think about levels too. A thing that 
you wouldn't, like, I think that is really important about doing it that way, is that before you start, when you're on Chamber Zero, effectively, when you're just a normal dude, there needs to be a playable game there, mechanic-wise. So a normal person has stats before you start layering on the levels. Uh, that's not obvious if you're starting a game from scratch. I think a lot of people begin with the assumption that level one characters are already so divorced from how people work yeah. that you don't really need to stat people. And I, I think that makes a poor game because it means you can't fill out your roster of the rest of the world with normal people. It's all exceptional people, and that kind of skews well, the way it depends how you do it, because you could have, like, monster entries that include normal people that are not leveled. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's exactly how Dungeons & Dragons does it. But I never realized the genius of that until I went to start designing my own games. Like, because you don't think about it. Cause you, you don't go to D&D to play a normal person or to interact with them. You go to go into a dungeon and fight monsters. Did, I think they, they, 3E, didn't they have zero level as a... As a um, weren't there zero level characters in that? Or in I third? Mistaken? I don't remember zero level characters. I, I know that there, there were... were uh, I know there were NPC classes, at least. That were yeah, like, there were NPC classes, which is distinct from it being a zero level character. Because they leveled up the same way. 3, 3E, 3 and 5 had a lot of weird stuff with, like, you had to fight that was exclusively you got XP. So if you wanted to have higher-level NPC classes, they had to be, like, on a border town where they were likely to have fought monsters. And that is not the way human beings work in real life, really. Where, because, like, again, this movie's a good example of that. He never fought a monster. He got his ass kicked and then went to train for years and years. He didn't get XP from going into dungeons and getting gold. He didn't get XP from killing monsters. He got techniques by taking the time and putting the effort to well, train so, for them. And that's what I'm getting at. That's something, so something that comes up a lot when I, when I would run a lot of my Wuxia campaigns is people would try to do that. They'd say, well, I'm going to go to like whatever this setting's equivalent of Wudong is or Shaolin, and I'm going to try to train with them. And then what does a GM sort of do in those circumstances? Because a lot of times the system might not, you know, like usually a game will have a particular XP system to it. And, and increasingly, the, the more I... The more I game, like the longer I've been doing this, the more I just think XP systems are better when they're looser and that the GM has the ability to kind of adapt them because sometimes that might be true. Like sometimes you might have like a, you have like a good guideline. Like, okay, if they beat X number of guys, they get XXP or whatever the, the guideline is. And for most, for most campaigns, that'll be fine. You know, you go into the dungeon or you go exploring, you fight monsters, you fight the bandits or whatever they are, and you, and you get the XP. Or you get it for various other things that are on the on the list. It's not always about combat, but um, but the training thing is always kind of hard because it's naturally it naturally leans towards elapsing time, so it can also sort of be perceived as a cheat. But I feel like it's not necessarily bad if a player wants to go and train at say Shaolin, you know, as long as the other players aren't getting shafted by it. Like as long as you're not going there and then you elapse time six months and suddenly this one character is like level nine and everybody else is still level three or whatever. Uh, as long as you, as long as you account for that time with the other characters, um, then I think it's okay. Uh, yeah, you do that no matter if you're in the dungeon going round by round in combat going yeah. round by round or in in one montage time and going month by month. Everyone gets their turn. Everyone gets their slice of the pie. It's, it's yeah. a group activity, so you have to more or less equalize that kind of share of the spotlight and reward. But, <clears throat> but also, I think that you could, 
it, it, it I mean, it, it depends on how you want to. It, it really does depend on the system because, like an ogre gate, I could I could separate advancement and techniques as well. So that would that was also another lever I had to pull, where the character might not necessarily go up in level, but they uh, they might gain techniques, and so that's a little bit easier to manage because then you can just say, well, all right, you you train with this guy for six months and you get the technique, um, you know, whatever you know, whatever. Uh, optional method I decided to use that day but um, but but also I think here it's a, it's a little bit different because one of the things that I realized watching the movie is not every character comes out of that training process the same do you know what I mean like he came out of those training processes head and shoulders above the other guys for some reason right and yeah, they didn't really give you an idea of why exactly <laughs> Well, I think it was because he, of his willfulness. I think his, um, I think because I think that's why they said it's a matter of will, and he was the one with the most will to sort of get through this training, and he had that, def, you know, definitive goal of, of of revenge. And the other characters were more interested in being good monks. Do you know what I mean? They they didn't necessarily have the ambition that he had. Um, but but I'm just wondering if there'd be a way to, like, okay, say. Say, say you have that chamber where they're walking over the the um, they're walking over the, the, the water on the logs, and mm-hmm. for the sake of argument, we'll say what the character's going to learn is is lightness kung fu or some kind of lightness kung fu ability or style or something related to lightness kung fu. Um, would there be various outcomes that could that that chamber could produce? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's not just oh you go through the chamber and you get. I don't know, a pip in lightness kung fu, or you get this lightness kung fu ability, or I advance you in level, and, you know, again, it's going to depend greatly on the game. But whatever it is, it would need to... You know, need, go ahead. I, uh, I, I had some thinking, R.E., that you could do it kind of like Burning Wheel does, mm-hmm. where in Burning Wheel, you, you take your different skills, and whenever you test them, you, you advance them by testing them. Yep. So you could do it in that scenario. And Burning Wheel, unfortunately, is a little bit cumbersome because every single time you roll, you test them, and you have to record it. Yep. <clears throat> but you could say that only happens during training scenes if you were going to take that chunk from Burning Wheel. Say, okay, how do you want to approach this puzzle that yep. they put in front of you? And depending on how you approached it would depend on which things got more powerful and which techniques you then unlocked. Yeah. Okay. You can do it that okay. way. No, that's not a bad way. I mean, there are a lot of games that have things like you know you, you train up individual abilities and things like that. So I think I think uh, you know I, I guess I guess what what I'm thinking is and and and, and this is sort of running counter to some of the things that I'm sort of working on at the moment. But I <laughs> yeah. feel like just just increasingly I I, I, I would I would like to see uh, I almost want to see like a totally free form kung fu wuxia game. Do you know what I mean? Where, where the player says, okay, I go, like, like you have these things that exist, right? You have these things that exist out in the world. Like, you have Shaolin and they have their abilities. But I feel like there should be, like, a, um, a general mechanical shape of what it means to be, to have all of the various Shaolin abilities. And mm. the GM extracts from that and says, okay, this is what you've acquired from your training because you did this exercise and that exercise and you mastered this one. Do you know what I mean? It would, like very, like a very customized, this is the Shaolin practitioner you become by the end of the journey. You know, because not everybody who goes through that training is coming out the same. 
Yeah, that's that's one of the things that's interesting about um, about certain media, where you'll have characters undergo the same training, same technique, same master, and they'll be very different at the yeah. end. They'll they'll emphasize things that work with them strategically and, yeah. and fit their personality, and that's there's not like there's no in, immediately intuitive way for me to do uh, to do that mechanically. Well, I mean, I think the way you're talking about doing it's probably the best way. Well, you can shift it to attributes, or you can do it with like you know, if you're doing like you know a game like Three E, you could have used feats or something, or you know, there there would be there are all kinds of um, like little little tools you could use. I, I'm just I I just kind of um, but the but I kind of want to have something where I f- feel like it's more free form. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, the, yeah, you almost want like a superhero system, like champions, where you can build powers. Yeah, just, yeah, something like, like that. A, yeah, because like it comes up all the time. Whenever, whenever I like, ninety nine percent of the time, you know, you're running a wushi game in like a sort of typical structure. Like Ogre Gate's a pretty typical structure, um, and it worked fine. But every once in a while, you get a guy who had like a very. It wasn't just that they were trying to be like a, a you know, like ooh, this is my special character, and I want everybody to pay attention to my special character. Yeah, they're, uh, so, they're so, they think what we call darling. Yeah, sometimes you get guys that have like, no, I have this really specific concept that's totally in line with Wuxia. Like it comes right, it's like ripped right out of the pages of comic. Um, but the system won't allow it to happen because the system is chained by either balance considerations or various other things, and and. Uh, and I feel like if I had just kind of taken the step as a GM to say, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take what I can from the system to allow that to happen, and I'm going to impose whatever downsides I feel will help balance it out maybe, uh, you know, it, 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 it would have worked better than if I had just tried to do it by the book. Do you know what I'm saying? When I try to do it by the yeah. book, that's kind if of when I If you do it by the book, what you do is you get an imperfect fit for that. It's yeah. nearest equivalent technique or whatever. Yeah. And that's, you're right, that's not as satisfying because that, that, first of all, that's not what happens in the genre fiction at all. Ever. They always make something unique because it's it's a storytelling thing, so the unique thing is what stands out and it's what you want yeah. in the story. Yeah. And it doesn't feel right. Like, it doesn't feel right to the player, it feels like they got shortchanged, doesn't feel right to you as a GM because you know your game isn't as much as it could be. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. And I mean, and again, you can go off the rails because I think um, you can also run into the issue of it's in the fiction, but like, and it's in the genre, but do you, do you really want to go there just because of the, the, the complications of bringing it into a game? But like, but sometimes it feels like I really, you know, this is a movie I'd really like to game. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, it's not like a, uh, I don't think it would be an impossible campaign. Do you know what I mean? A campaign where the players, and again, it might have to arise naturally. It might have to be something that everybody agrees on beforehand. I don't know. It depends on your group. But like some big tragedy happens and the players decide to go and find and master skills from one of the big sects in the setting. And they go and do that. And then they return to f- contend with the people who were the source of the tragedy. Um, you know, that again, I mean, I, I could do that easily in, in, in some of the systems I use and have made. But uh, but I but I, I'd really be curious if I could do it free form. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of like uh, I feel like that would be very satisfying. Uh, it would be like it's it's difficult though because with when it comes to kung fu, like you want to have highly developed techniques that have a, a sense of character. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's at odds with doing it completely free form. Well, so that's why I'm saying Shaolin would have a, a mechanical shape already 
that exists. Like you'd say, like, it okay. seems what you want is like you want breaking that down one more degree. What you'd want is a, a hero, a champions esque list of very small knobs and levers for powers, and then you'd want to develop entire like completely developed styles out of those. So whenever you go to Shaolin, you can learn, you know, like the iron punch fist or whatever, and your version of that can have the knobs twisted a little bit. Or maybe you learn falling crane kick and the knobs are twisted a little bit. Oh, I, I feel like I want to do the opposite. I want to build like the, the head abbot. I want to make that head abbot and then mm. have all of like, like this is what he can do. Like I make like a, you know, 36 level character or whatever the system, you know, requires here. Uh, and then it's just a matter of dispensing whatever abilities that 36 level character is willing to dispense to people and that they're able well, to that's how it, does, it works in my game where like I, I make the most I make the complete martial art and what a grandmaster would do and then I just break that up in discrete techniques and tiers for a style okay okay and yeah so that the, think, the way it works is so then <clears> so, so what that tells them. me is we should try to run your game as a 36 chamber campaign and see how that goes Actually, it'd probably go pretty well. Do you think? Do you think you could do a thirty-six chamber scenario? Would you be comfortable doing like a, um, you know? I would, even though there's not a lot of fighting in it, because like one of the XP mechanisms in my game is following your destiny, mm -hmm. and because the scenes in which he's training aren't just like montage scenes, mm -hmm. they're actual like things that are done in real time. The things he does and the people he interacts with, every time he does something, he has the chance to negotiate for getting one of those XP triggers. <laughs> and so he could actually be earning XP while training and then go into the montage of, okay, so that's that's your introduction to this. Let's skip ahead, you know, three months and you have another scene and you skip ahead a few months. At the end of that, all that training, you can spend the accumulated XP on getting the technique he was trying to train you for. Mm -hmm. So you actually could do 36 chambers in my game with no changes. Okay. I just oh, impressed yeah. myself. Holy hell. You could do 36 chambers in my game with no changes. Wow. I yeah, must have done a really good job. Yeah, see, that's that's the, <laughs> the problem. When I was trying to think about it for Ogre Gate, it wouldn't work because for Ogre Gate, you would need to have 36 techniques for that for that mm. conceit to make sense. And 36 techniques, like the game already has too many techniques in terms of, you know, how many, like, you know, you're walking <laughs> around with 13 techniques, techniques or something. Game. What was that? You know, there are too many techniques in a kung fu game. Blasphemy. No, no, but you know what I'm saying. There's a, there's an there's an overabundance of techniques, and uh, I think there's a rich library of techniques. Like I've got the ogre gate. That's book. that's that's the marketing book. expert in you speaking. That's uh, no, dude. It's it's uh, that is the consumer in me speaking. Because like I bought your game because I was like I've known Brandon for a while. He's clearly a smart designer. He loves Wuxia. This game is going to be rad. So I bought it. And then, like, I'm looking through it, and I'm like, this is technical. There's there's a review of it online where they're like, this is not a beginner's RPG. Yes, true. However, I got to that section on techniques, and I was like, yes. Yes, it keeps going. Ugh. Yeah, it's, there's a lot in there. That is what I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted. That's what I wanted out but, of your game. But but my point still stands. I wouldn't be able to do 36 Chamber because I would need, at least not, like, like as you said, like, unchanged. I wouldn't be able to do it because mm. I would need 36 techniques for that to even make sense. For, for the Shaolin sect to have. And there is a Shaolin sect in there, the, the Sunmai sect, but... Yeah, and, I, uh, I, I, my techniques are really dense. Like, I'll have 10 to a style. Mm -hmm. So, like, I couldn't do 36 distinct techniques either. Okay, okay. Uh, you, I would have to... I'd have to radically alter the way you level up for, to do that. So that that's... Okay, 
on that level, no. I could do what we saw in the movie with my game, where he gets like four or five techniques and he's a higher level master. Okay. I could do that. Okay, I, I see what you're no, saying. I see what you're I saying. I don't have 36 to just because like well, they, and that's important. We don't actually see all 36 chambers. We don't actually see all of them. So it's well, we we see the last one, which is a one distinct technique, and we see the ones he goes through, which again he only goes through like five or six, doesn't he? I don't remember the exact number. He goes to so the so there's a bunch of cool ones. He's got the one where he has to carry the buckets of water. That yes. I think I think that was the scene that they're calling back to in Kill Bill, by the way, when she carries the water. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, but that one was good, and I I appreciate that scene because those muscles that you're like when you're lifting something, the the shoulder muscles up there, those are ones that that you really do have to develop for uh, any martial art where you're punching or you're holding things, you know. It, so I thought that was cool. I did wonder about the knives they had on his armpits and how, like, were those just meant to sting or were those meant to actually harm? Like, would you die if you, if you lowered the buckets? Uh, hmm. I don't know. But they were pretty long, weren't they? There was that one. There was the, the head, the head sandbag one where they were put, Banging their heads into the sandbag, there was the um, uh, there the was water. The bell. the bell. The bell was really that's a really good one too because that one it was all about the power in the wrist and it that that one is the one that looked the most agonizing to me. It did look agonizing. Yeah. That 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 one. Oh, sorry. I apologize. My 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 medication alarm went off. Um, I'm now an hour overdue for my medicine. Uh, We've been old, talking for a while. Yeah, it's been a really good conversation. Being the, the old man that I am becoming, um, but uh, but no, the, the that one looked the most grueling, and I, I certainly would that, that like I could feel his pain in that scene. Yeah, um, I yeah, feel that like conveys the, the suffering really well. Which ones am I forgetting? I know there were, there had to be more, unless I'm. Oh no, there was the one with the mirrors. <clears throat> with oh like yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's where he's doing the and that's an iconic scene where his where he's like his eyes are going back and forth at the, with the light. Um, and he's got the two incense burners over his uh, next to his that. ears. That that was an intense scene. That was, an, and I like the master in that one. Yeah, because he's got this this like joy to be about the whole thing. Like, oh, don't turn your head. So he's he's yeah. a fun little guy. And then the uh, the one that leads to the development of the trisection staff, which I thought that was cool how they did that, where he discovers it by slicing up the bamboo and it becomes like a a prototype for his three section staff. That yeah, was a. That's cool. That, that, that reminded me, there's a movie uh, called Shaolin Mantis, where the guy develops Mantis style, and it's a similar type, happy coincidence, where he falls down and he sees a Mantis, and he just happens to notice, you know, his movements, and or has a eureka moment. Um, well, that's, that eureka moment is really, that's like kind of the monomyth of how martial arts get made, because like, uh, the guy who developed Tai Chi Chuan did that too, where like, uh, monkey style, same thing. So like it, a lot of times it's I was this martial arts guy then I got my butt kicked and then I saw a monkey. That's it's it's always something like that you know and then and then I saw a snake and a hawk fighting and I was like aha. A, a lot of them have that. I know in, uh, in Taekwondo the story we used to hear. I don't know if I don't think this is true, but but the, what they used to always tell us was that uh, it was originally developed uh, to to knock people off their horses. You know, so like this, like the like the jumping sidekick was mm. was you know supposedly for you know uh, uh, dismounting horsemen or something, um, but which I don't again that sounds like a very suspicious historical uh, tale to me, but it's a really cool origin myth for a martial style. Um, 
but uh, but but anyways, because <laughs> I, I think when you look at the real history, I think it was more like a more uh, recent invention. Um, yeah, a lot of martial arts yeah. are a little more recent than they than they want to tell you about. But it, but <laughs> also but but also it gets complicated because you can say, well, this like as we know it was made by this guy right here, but he was basing it off of X, which goes back further and yeah, further. And, so, and that's the thing. There's a lot of uncredited origins to uh, history. It's not that's not just a martial arts thing. That's just all throughout history. There's a lot of uncredited origins to things like, uh, and there, there's some that are documented and not credited. Uh, and again, not to get super deep into this, but uh, Richard Cantillon, the one of the guys that I really like and admire in economic thought wrote years and years before Adam Smith did. And Smith is always mentioned in all of my economics textbooks, and they never breathe a word about Cantillon, despite the fact that everything he says was later aped like one for one by Smith and not really advanced on at all. Mm. So like Adam Smith gets a lot of credit for being the guy that was like, oh, this guy really invented economics. Not really. Richard Cantillon got rich on the Louisiana Purchase because he was a forerunner to that exact same kind of thought. It, it happens. It's weird, but it's, it happens. So, um, but yeah, so how, how, uh, how about we do this? Why don't we, why don't we try doing a Shaolin campaign with your game? Do you think that would be, unless it's, a, unless it's a bad use of your time. I don't want to, I don't want to push you to, uh, to, to do something that's going to take away from whatever you're working on. Um, and we have to co-develop it because like, I don't know enough about the Shaolin techniques to make one style. Cause the, the way I approach styles is as a complete tactical approach to the same combat system. And right now the, the seven most modern ones I made for Lone Wolf Fist, all have a real, like, first of all, they're overtly very mystical. And second of all, like they all have a, a very particular, like, here is our tactical, like, here's our tactical rock. This one's more defensive. This one's faster. Uh, this one's got, like, an alpha strike thing going on. This one's more about building up power slowly. This is about disrupting the opponent. So I need to, I need to butt, like, put my head together with you and see, like, okay, well, what is Shaolin about as far as strategy-wise? And, again, I don't know that I'd do justice to the techniques because the techniques in, in uh, this movie are all very much like your head will get stronger which is a little more holistic than having the head-smashing kung fu technique that's yeah. able to get your head through concrete, which is what the equivalent would be in my game. Okay, I see what you're saying. Well, I think... Um, <laughs> I, I, well, how about this? We'll, we'll talk about it, because maybe we'll, 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 we'll take... A, this is an intriguing idea, yeah. so I do want to check it out. Yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> it. Um, my, my wife has just awakened, and that means that the conversation is going to have to come to an end. Um, <laughs> But uh, but but either way, I think uh, you know we you know we we had a pretty good discussion on on thirty six chamber, and yeah. and we'll uh, and I I do want to follow up on on that that we 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 I don't always have the best uh, track record of following up on these side topics, but I think that'll be a good one. Um, and coming up soon, we're going to be doing Chinese ghost story. Uh, once that uh, basically, it's a matter of a Blu ray arriving in the mail that was was. Was promised months ago and hasn't come for some mysterious reason. Yeah, it really disrupted our uh, our review schedule. That was going to be like an October thing or yeah. something. So yeah, I, I ordered I ordered a Blu-ray from Amazon to get to Joel, and it 
it was supposed to come, I think, when? In December? Like, it was, like, December 11th? December to... was the first quote, and yeah. it's almost February. Yeah. And, like, we've still and, not, at least and, still not arrived even at your place. So. And I was tracking the package, and, and it did that thing where it's like, oh, it's 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 out on delivery, and will arrive by 8 p.m. And then when I checked, like, an hour later, it was like, oh, now it's been rescheduled for, like, February 11th or whatever. And I was like, well, what? Wait a minute. What was that? It's like, wait a minute. I've had that happen a few times. It's a, thankfully a rare happenstance, but yeah. yeah I think I think we have some issues at the local postal department, but I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but either way, you know, uh, we're gonna when that comes, it's just a matter of getting it to Joel, and then we'll have the movie. So we might have to do one other film between then. Um, hey, no complaints. I've been really enjoying the films we have been doing lately. So yeah, I think I'm gonna try to pick one that I haven't seen as well. I think that'll be a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's there's one that I that I've been meaning to watch that I haven't seen that is on, on Prime and so we might choose that one. Um, uh, do you do you mind doing more recent ones, Joel? Is that an issue? For no, you? no, I like I like those ones from the '90s we were watching. Those are pretty good. Okay, this is on the cusp. I think this was like 2000. Um, so yeah, that's pretty recent. That's yeah. more recent. That's maybe the most recent one we've done then. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, well, I'll ask you after the program. I don't want to put you on the spot here. Um, okay. But we'll, cool. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be back, and until then, we will talk to you later.